Six seconds left, and then Chad Kowarik will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desch went over to shout instructions to Glorn. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kaloric. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kaloric out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And the story, of course, is the weather. <laughs> it's uh, Orange alert, people. Stay in your homes. Stay in your homes today and maybe tomorrow. But, yeah, tonight and tomorrow are supposed to be absolutely brutal. Uh, I think they're, I've even heard today on the news that they're canceling trains in Chicago. Uh the interesting thing about the consequence of the weather is this probably will have some impact on the uh, first quarter American economy. Oh, very much so. It's uh, terrible for business. Interesting to note, for instance, that natural gas prices have gone up 27% in the last couple of weeks, and propane shortages are being reported all over the Midwest and upper Midwest. Propanes uh, and Velveeta? Yeah, and Justin Bieber. We, we'll pile, we can pile on him some other day. But uh, let's give him a brain damage award. I think he's the first person that's ever been charged with drunk driving before attaining the age of masturbation. <laughs> What's well, the world coming I, to? I suspect that at heart it's an attempt by some uh, agency or management uh, to sort of change his image up a bit. Toughen him he's, up. He's got a new movie out that's in theaters, and while my daughter and I were seeing another film, I got up to use the, the restroom during our movie, and on my way back, walked past the theater showing the Bieber movie, and I wondered, eh, it's a Sunday afternoon, you know, should be lots of kids in here. How many people are in the room? Nobody. Oh. I think his career is in deep decline, and this is probably just a... Uh, He's drowning his sorrows. Let's, let's bad boy him up a little bit here ah, and yeah, see if that moves right. some units, but I suspect only... It worked wonders for Robert Mitchum. Revive his sales career. <laughs> It worked wonders for Robert oh, Mitchum. Well, indeed. And we'll give out another quick brain damage award to another mighty 
diplomat, Dennis Rodman. Who would have known? He's checked into rehab. <laughs> this after a couple of weeks ago, he gave a rather inebriated uh, explanation for why he was palling around with Kim. I just suddenly there I was Kim in North Un, Korea. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. You know you've been on a bender. <laughs> They're buddies. <laughs> when uh, you snap out of it going, oh, yeah, God, I was in North Korea. How did that happen? He's, uh, yeah, he's a, he's at work. And while we're uh, giving out the Brain Damage Awards, oh, I noticed that Dinesh D'Souza was charged with using straw donors to give to a Senate campaign last year. He basically had a bunch of friends uh, donate money to a Senate candidate in the state of New York. Wendy Long, who ran against uh, Kristen Gillibrand uh, to no avail, and then D'Souza paid them back. So... You know, that's no, nothing new for D'Souza. He's been a bootlick for many a decade now. Yep. He was so, an up-and-comer when uh, we were in D.C. He might be on probation, double-secret probation. <laughs> and, of course, and the... spanking all around for Dinesh D'Souza. Brain Damage Award of the Week goes to Mike Huckabee. Uh, addressing, uh, I'm sure you heard this uh, bizarre rant that he made this past week. He said, if the Democrats want to insult women of America by making them believe that they are helpless without Uncle Sugar coming in and providing for them a prescription each month for birth control because they cannot control their libido or their reproductive system without the help of the government, then so be it. Let us take that discussion all across America. Okay. I, no, I, he said this on Fox, no doubt, right? Start He's, uh, talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. Keep going. Keep going. Uncle Sugar, huh? Uncle Sugar, yeah. That's a, that's a new one. Uh, and, of course, this is related to the whole controversy regarding contraception and the Obama health care law and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, uh, I mean, it's kind of outrageous. If, the, if well, we're going to deny coverage to women, then why don't we start uh, denying coverage for ED. I'm sure that Bob Dole's prescription is running a little low on a Viagra. Uh, how about, uh, well, it turns out the state of Florida decided that they didn't want Medicaid to cover circumcisions for newborns back in the late 90s. There's been an explosion of operations to uh, poor, um, poor boys born in the state of Florida as a result of this uh, Strange ruling. Yes, Mike, Uncle Sugar. <laughs> well, Mike Huckabee, uh, he's safe within the uh, confines of the sandbox that is Fox Entertainment News Network thing. Harper's Index always has some interesting items. Uh, of course, the Middle East has been in the news. I don't think the Syrian negotiations are really going anywhere, but at least they're talking a little bit. Uh, interesting to note, since uh, uh, the average change in uh, Libyan household wealth in the past year has gone up 61%. However, in Egypt, it's gone down 11%. And, of course, Egypt's been the scene of a lot of uh, violence. Percentage change in the Freedom of Information Act request to the NSA since Edward Snowden leaks began, 671%. And then, of course, tomorrow Obama is uh, delivering a State of the Union message, ho-hum, 
But uh, this is in- interesting in explaining what's wrong in the Republican Party. Uh, many uh, pundits seem to be writing Obama's obituary politically. Despite being kind of in the mid to low 40s, uh, I think he's in a lot better shape than the previous four presidents that were elected twice. Uh, at this time, uh, W, at, in his term, had uh, mismanaged Katrina, and the Iraq war was clearly going in the wrong direction for obvious reasons. Bill Clinton was uh, dealing with Lewinsky. Ronald Reagan had sold arms to Iran. Uh, somehow, uh, mistakenly, perhaps. But I forgot. And, of course, Richard, Richard Nixon was <coughs> soon to resign. <laughs> he was still figuring out, who can I fire to get me out of this this pickle that I'm in? There must be some blanket left to hide underneath. <laughs> Haldeman Ehrlichman. Uh, the special prosecutor, Klein Deeds, they'd all been fired for various reasons. <laughs> Uh, he was left with Al Haig and Robert Bork. <laughs> Loyal to the end, old Robert Bork. Yes. But anyway, a percentage of self-identified Tea Party conservatives who believe President Obama is destroying the country, 71. Of all other identified conservatives, six. So that's a pretty illuminating uh, number there. Yeah. We have, of course, uh, one of the themes, allegedly, of this uh, State of the Union is going to be the uh, the issue of uh, income inequality here in the United States. Lots of uh, reasons explain this, but it's interesting that uh, on the 11th of, uh, well, on 9-11 of 2013, the New York Times reported that the top 10% took home half of U.S. income in 2012. And a report from the uh, by Michael Cooper uh, showing the rapid decline in corporate taxes paid um, basically to the government. Uh, this is kind of remarkable stuff. Uh, it highlights the fact that DuPont uh, had paid, and this is from the 7th of December 2011, DuPont had reported paying no state income corporate taxes from 2008 to 2010, according to the Citizens for Tax Justice and the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. They note that uh, while corporate income taxes made up 9.7% of state revenues in 1980, according to the Rockefeller Institute, they now make up an estimated 5.7%. They note that of the 500 top fortune uh, corporations, uh, the study looked at 265 of them and found that only 68 found that 68 reported paying no state corporate taxes in at least one year between 2008 and 2010, and that altogether uh, the companies reported 1.33 trillion dollars of profits. Well, I think one Yikes. of the the big stories of 2013, in fact, probably the biggest labor story, was the. Uh, number of fast food worker strikes that this country saw from coast to coast in all the major cities. And it really draws attention to a serious issue. And uh, these days, the uh, newspapers 
have sort of opened the gates uh, opinion-wise to uh, anybody who wants to click in a response, and it's sometimes so dispiriting to read the comments on articles on online newspapers and magazines and so forth. Uh, but there's so much anger at uh, the fast food workers uh, who went on strike, and, and so many people suggested that, well, they shouldn't get those jobs if, if they don't want that wage, or uh, it's, you know, you're supposed to work your way up. Uh, the fast food uh, career track is not one that people do choose by choice. Uh, you choose it because you need to put food on the table for your family. You choose it because it's the only job available in your area. And uh, there's a lot of hardship involved in those people right on the edge, just barely making it. And uh, indeed, they are underpaid. And it's demonstrated when you see, as you point out, the massive profits that uh, the Pillsbury Corporation, who owns Burger King and Kentucky Fried Chicken, et cetera, et cetera, rake in on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis. Yeah, and it's interesting that that same January's Harper Index noted that the number of United States fast food workers receiving federal and state aid is 942,000. Yeah, and Walmart, Walmart had a similar thing, yeah. where if you're working at Walmart, and Walmart, of course, uh, during the W era was uh, receiving all sorts of plaudits in the media for being such a... You know, oh, it's such a, it's a wonderful place. Um, it turns out it's not such a wonderful place to work or shop or anything. But uh, in fact, uh, you're going to be uh, struggling. And it's very interesting. There was a sort of uh, well-publicized report last week, academic report that apparently is still being uh, peer-reviewed, that uh, noted that the income ladder quote in the United States has not changed much in the last 20 years. That's the big uh, headline. Upward mobility has not declined, says study. But of course, uh, David Autor, an economist at MIT who read the paper, um, which the authors will soon submit to an academic journal, noted it's how you want to interpret the question. The study found, for instance, that about 8% of the children born in the early 1980s who grew up in the bottom fifth of the uh, income distribution managed to reach the top fifth for their age group. And this lack of movement is considered to be the fact that this headline is that upward mobility has not declined when I would say 8% is a rather low number. Well, and that's, you know, news that's late and breaking. Uh, I must say the, the old saying that uh, the American dream is called a dream because you'd have to be asleep to believe in it uh, is a pretty old one. And it's pretty clear that if uh, you don't have a college future, uh, that your career path is basically uh, crippled. And uh, why college costs have not been... Uh, something that uh, people can just enjoy as a matter of citizenship uh, at this point is uh, still somewhat major uh, major responsibility for people's failure to uh, make it. Now, it is, of course, interesting in, in terms of the longitudinal aspects of this study uh, because they did look at uh, data over the last 50 years. But the bottom line is that, as they put it, uh, it the upward mobility appears to have held steady for 50 years. And this, of course, uh, is in stark contrast to uh, what was happening in the American economy uh, 
in other decades uh, earlier uh, this century uh, in the 20th century where it was uh, the, the British uh, economic system that was uh, glaringly uh, deficient in allowing people to uh, move up the economic ladder. So it will be fascinating to see, not in terms of Obama's speech, because I think it's going to be fairly humdrum, but uh, the rumor, of course, is that he's realizes that he can't get much of a legislative agenda through Congress at this point for obvious reasons, and then he's going to pursue uh, his sort of re- rhetoric agenda and use executive orders to try and... Uh, keep working on his job as they say <laughs> well whether or not they could ever deliver on it certainly the rhetoric of uh increasing uh the uh, minimum wage is something that would work for the uh basic democratic party constituency one other sort of related update last week i was talking a lot about uh the nsa and uh, a rather outstanding article that appeared in the New York Review of Books on the 6th of February of uh, 2014 by David Cole regarding the revelations that we keep learning about the NSA and these metadata programs and whatnot. But a recent article in the New Yorker from the 13th of January notes, uh, and this is basically reporting that uh, a New York judge uh, back on the 16th of December, Richard Leon, had ruled uh, that uh, the NSA's metadata program collection was uh, a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Two weeks later, another New York judge, actually, excuse me, Richard Leon actually works in Washington, uh, but a New York judge, William Pauley, ruled that the metadata collection was lawful and effective, according to his uh, ruling, and he invoked the example of Khalid al-Midhar, a Saudi jihadist who worked for al-Qaeda, as an example, he was one of the um, hijackers involved in the American Airlines Flight 77. But the facts about this whole case, uh, according to uh, the uh, FBI and uh, intelligence uh, analysts that worked in the CIA, that it was actually the collection of the data uh, occurred, but the information wasn't passed on to the FBI by the CIA. And uh, Midar came into the United States. He uh, was involved in the so-called Malaysian meeting with an, his friend, uh, uh, Nafwaz Al-Hamzi. Uh, they lived in San Diego for a number of years, and apparently the, the facts that uh, Judge uh, William Pauley uh, relied on in his ruling are simply not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, this uh, article by Lawrence Wright in The New Yorker questions about uh, the accountability of the CIA and the, that there's all this uh, hoopla about charging Edward Snowden. Uh, he writes that Edward Snowden broke the law and the Obama administration has demanded that he be brought to justice. No one has died because of his revelations. The CIA's obstruction of justice in the Cole investigation arguably was a crime. His failure to share information from the Al-Qaeda switchboard opened the door for the biggest terrorist attack in history. Um, as long as we're talking about accountability right, rights, why shouldn't we demand it of the CIA? 
And he also notes that the inspector general uh, uh, report on the actions of the CIA, which, of course, is part part of this 80 billion dollar intelligence budget that the United States uh, currently uh, benefits from with all this metadata uh, collection uh, and who refused to cooperate with the FBI were actually promoted, not held accountable. So, yeah, the CIA has known about all sorts of things that, I mean, the Chilean diplomat who was killed in the car bomb uh, in D.C. uh, (laughs) Who's responsible? Who knew? Who didn't pass it on? Uh, It it does make Snowden look like a a convenient whipping boy. And, of course, Mike Rogers... uh, House chairman of the Intelligence Committee, and I use that word in quotes, uh, was on a sort of a crusade a couple of weeks ago claiming uh, that Snowden had uh, cooperated or with the Russian government. And Snowden had to deny this uh, in a public statement. He uh, pointed out that both uh, Mike Rogers, we'll give him a brain damage award, Uh, was speculating uh, about this. He didn't have any information, but uh, throwing it out on the Sunday talk shows uh, seems to be his modus operandi. Well, I think his his biggest argument was, well, that's where he went. So it must have been. And of course, but I think he, the inf- information was just dispersed. It he, wasn't specifically targeted towards. Yeah, and, and of course, he went there via China. You know. Right. He was in Hong Kong for a while when the Chinese government decided that this was going to complicate uh, relations but, with the United States. But Mike Rogers won't say anything about China in that regard for that very reason. Yeah. So Putin, who, of course, is peripherally involved in these uh, these Syrian war negotiations. And, of course, this past week we saw absolutely reprehensible pictures of torture. Uh, systematic torture by the Syrian government, but what's new? Um, right. And it's uh, very strange to hear Ayman al-Zawari issuing a a uh, some advice to the to the rebels in Syria. He said, "Stop fighting amongst yourselves and overthrow Assad." <laughs> so it's very strange that the United States, which now I think is wisely ruled out any. Uh, direct military action in Syria and is pursuing a negotiation of attempt, we'll leave it at that, futile as it may end up being, at least uh, they've, uh, for the time being, I think, uh, pretty much factually decided that there isn't going to be a uh, American war in Syria. But, you know, well, calling for Assad's resignation as a sort of a precondition and keeping Iran out of the picture... Um, strikes me as somewhat naive about what's really going on in the Syrian civil war. Well, there's so many outside parties who have as a primary condition, you know, getting rid of Assad that uh, you have to wonder uh, who, for Israel, for example, he's maybe the devil that they know, which is better, preferable than the devil that they don't know. Right. You know, what kind of a weird coalition, you know, post-Assad governmental structure will there be? In Syria, which, like Lebanon, is fraught with many different sub-national ethnic conflict potentials. Um, 
In fact, Assad's whole family that bought this party there is uh, primarily Druze-centered, so there's been uh, power concentration within uh, one culture group. Um, who knows what the future of Syria is beyond Assad? Well, it's clearly going to continue to sort of resemble the, the Spanish Civil War in a kind of an odd way in which a lot of oh. foreign powers are fighting pro a proxy yeah. war uh, with, uh, obviously, Al-Qaeda allied with the Saudi government um, and uh, John McCain and Lindsey Graham encouraging America to get involved in the war directly. Well, I think Kerry and Obama at least have taken that foolish idea off the table for the time being. Um, but the, the situation in Syria, of course, is uh, just... Uh, Heart-wrenching, involving the you know the total casualties, the refugee problems, uh, the fact that this is impacting uh, so many neighboring countries uh, who are unable to care for the refugees. Uh, if a ceasefire cannot be agreed upon, which uh, seems a little unlikely at the moment, uh, at least the one glimmer of progress is that apparently there's been some agreement to allow international aid uh, groups to uh, provide food, medicine, clothing, etc. for some of the beleaguered civilians that are basically caught in the crossfire. And uh, as we sort of endure these brutal uh, Arctic polar vortex conditions here, uh, it's easy to forget the phrase Arab Spring ever existed because uh, certainly the two biggest uh, crises situations that emerged out of that what looked to be a hopeful sort of a flourishing of new freedoms and democracy possibilities uh, are bogged down in the morass of Syria and again this sort of seething uh, potential for a wide-scale uh, unrest in Egypt. Yeah, and of course, uh, it's interesting that today, I forget the name of the general that's being promoted as the next presidential candidate. Yeah, so there they are back Cici. again. Yeah, Cici's his name, I think. And uh, because of the militaries and the West's uh, distrust and hatred of the Muslim Brotherhood, not to mention Dave Emery, of course, who always argued against the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, they were popularly elected. And uh, so that election has been overthrown. And so there are a lot of people uh, who feel like their vote didn't matter at all. And so, again, it's back to military uh, running the show in Egypt. And as that um, Harper's Index... Which the U.S. pays for. Uh, factoid noted, you know, the, the average Egyptians are suffering as a result of all the chaos. I seem to remember there was a horrific uh, bombing uh, recently in Egypt that... I don't think bodes well. Well, tourism is uh, a crucial component of uh, outside monies coming into Egypt. Uh, scholarship, academic, uh, you know, vacations. There's lots of reasons to go to Egypt, and the traffic simply has been down. And, of course, the you know, folks just living their lives in Syria just want to get back to business and run their shops and do travel. Uh, the great Syrian singer Omar Suleiman has been uh, fortunate enough to be able to travel through Europe uh, uh, bringing his music to people. But uh, you know there's lots of other Syrian musicians who'd like the chance to do that. Uh, it doesn't look like things are going to get better in Syria anytime soon. 
Another kind of interesting global economic item here. I noticed last week that the uh, the, the the basically the mainstream, the New York Times reported that last uh, week's uh, stock movements were the worst week since June of 2012. And experts, by the way, have attributed some of the problems to this uh, declining stock Dow Jones Industrial Average all of a sudden to the rapid decline over the past uh, five or six months in the Argentinian peso and the Turkish lira. So it's going to be interesting to see if this if these problems continue. But uh, let's recall that during the uh, so-called um, issue about raising the debt ceiling, which still remains lingers on the horizon lingers on the horizon we had a, a lot of republicans claim that it didn't matter if we defaulted on our bonds argentina defaulted on their bonds their currency has declined in the last uh, six months about 33 percent the new york times reports it's down 32 percent so this is a big problem and it's interesting in that same article and explaining the general economic picture that last week or last month, excuse me, the Fed uh, cut back on its monthly purchases for the first time from $75 billion uh, to $85 billion in short-term bonds. Well, <clears throat> stay warm. It's uh, very cold out there and getting worse tonight. The days are getting longer, but uh, for the short time being, they're going to get colder. We'd like to thank Andrew for engineering once again this evening. To stay tuned, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And me, I'm going home and making chicken and dumplings, man. <laughs> I- Your radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding, licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan, operated by students at the University of Michigan, uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Good evening, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and this is Yazoo City Calling, our weekly dedication to early American blues originals, broadcasting to you live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. on 88.3 FM since 1988. My name is Weston Hughes. If you'd like to call and make a request, 734-763-3500 is the phone number. Um, We're keeping all of our recordings today, uh, original recordings made before the Second World War, um, so before 1942, if you can keep that in mind. Our first song on this week's program is the only known pre-war commercial phonograph recording of a cigar box guitar. This is Beans Hambone, otherwise known as James Albert, and a guy named El Morrow doing a song called Beans, which was written by Chris Smith and Elmer Bowman, who were um, African-American composers. And this is an old uh, medicine show 
uh, tune. And it was recorded originally in Charlotte, North Carolina for the Victor Record Company in 1931. Here, let's listen to Beans Hambone and El Moro do Beans. This is Beans. Now, I'm fixing to play you all a beautiful little number, the entitled Beans. He's playing this from General Reckon to the Revolution. Now, the last time, y'all, when y'all hear this piece of music, now, ladies and gentlemen, I mean it's all right. <laughs> 